Let's go to Kurt Sampson, best-selling author. Uh, Kurt, thank you so much for coming on Iron Sports once again. Oh, it's a pleasure uh, to be back. Thanks for having me. Ira? Kurt, I really appreciate you coming on. You're probably one of the few experts in terms of writing a biography on Ben Hogan and also Tiger Woods, So, I mean, in, amongst many other golf books. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. And Thanks. Actually, actually two on Tiger. Uh, when you count them all up, I had um, – uh, um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but in 2002 I had Chasing Tiger and then most recently – roaring back uh, right so, sorry no sorry, that's how we had you when you talked about roaring back and I, I, that was a <laughs> tremendous book and both of them but and i have to say is that we brought you on and i didn't have a chance you wrote your hogan what year did you write your book on ben hogan uh that came out in 96 i think 96 ish seven maybe yes in there right so i think a lot of people now People who follow golf know who Ben Hogan is, but I think that some people, again, the prisoners of the moment type people, they you know, they only won nine majors, Nicholas won 18, Woods 15, Walter Hagen 11 player won nine. But the point is that 1999, ESPN ranked him as the 38th greatest athlete of the century. And in most polls, he's ranked as the top four golfers of all time, between Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, and Bobby Jones. So clearly... Uh, ben Hogan is is viewed as this is this uh, you know a la larger than life type golfer. Maybe people today don't remember him, so don't, they don't remember, him, but don't know about much about him. Uh, that, that's true. Well, it's just a, a matter of time, I suppose. Um, his heyday, after all, was in the '40s and '50s. He won his last tournament in in '59, I think it was, but. Uh, for uh, we aficionados and purists, he um, he hung the moon. He, he the way he played, and then his Greta Garbo like uh, um, persona outside the ropes. So it was a powerful combination. I mean, we're talking. We're going to compare him the similarities to Tiger Woods in terms of the car accident, which, I mean, the moment I heard about this, I thought about Ben Hogan. And I, the one thing is that I couldn't believe he was 30. I thought it was when he was younger when he had the accident. I realized he was 37 years old when he had uh, the accident with the Greyhound bus. I was shocked to, to find mm -hmm. out that he was as, mm -hmm. as old as he was. Um, actually, 36. Um, he uh, was a couple of months away from his 37th uh, birthday. But there's all the difference in terms of uh, possibility of coming back to play. Um, that's a huge difference between Tiger's, Tiger's recent crash and Hogan's in 1949, I guess it was. Ben was much younger, and he hadn't had five spine surgeries and four left knee surgeries, or whatever the exact count is. I'm kind of forgetting at the moment. Tiger's, it's, as uh, <clears throat> Indiana Jones said, it's, it's not the year, it's the mileage. <laughs> I, just to get back to Ben for a second, I, I mean, their grow, their the youth is a, a lot different. I mean, Ben Hogan at five eight one forty five, uh, his father I, I think committed suicide in front of him. Um, he was so broke. He at nine years old, he sort of just took a job as a caddy. Never finished high school, and 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 just just this type of career where, and even when he was younger, when he turned pro, he, he just was not this, you know, he was not the, when Tiger was, you know, four years old, he was on the Bob Hope show and, and, and everybody was looking at Tiger yeah. for, you know, his whole life. Whereas Ben Hogan, nobody was looking at for, for most of his life. That's, uh, everything you said just now <clears throat> was true where Tiger was a prodigy. Uh, Hogan really had to uh, come up with a, a golf game on his own. And, and he did through, Extremely diligent uh, practice. He virtually invented modern practice the way 
uh, professionals and uh, serious golfers get on the practice tee and don't leave until uh, every ball is gone. Um, so you, you pointed out another uh, stark difference between these two characters. Yeah, and then and it's and right when it he didn't start winning on the tour until like he was ten for he didn't win for ten years he was like being playing on the tour and as a golf pro but then when he started winning he just sort of and then the only thing that stopped him was first of all you mentioned the book that the war he lost three years he he had lost three years so there was no Masters U.S. Open or British Open really six years of British Open uh, and that sort mm-hmm. of uh, and that sort of you know that you know certainly in the middle of prime of his career he was in the mar he was in the army and didn't even play golf or didn't play golf but there was no tour to play for yeah uh, that's an overlooked overlooked uh, aspect of the the um equation when people are trying to figure out the greatest which is as you know you probably know greatest football greatest anything it's a it's a little bit of a dicey uh thing to do not intellectually completely honest it's hard to compare there is it's it's so theoretical it doesn't stop us from doing it uh you know, the, the, you just mentioned Majors won. Well, uh, a guy like Walter Hagen didn't have the, the Masters to play in during during his prime. So the the the, the major um, measurement is it's kind of a, um, elusive, and it, it may not be the best way to um, to evaluate um, different players. So, and then you mentioned in 46, he won 13 tournaments, including the PGA Championship. In 47, he won seven tournaments. And then in 48, he won 10 tournaments. So he won 30 tournaments in three years. He won the U.S. Open at Riviera and the PGA Championship. And so he is, you know, the number one golfer in the world, number one everything. And then describe, and then in 49, he has this accident. I mean, they didn't have planes. He wasn't flying around everywhere, you know, private jets like Garthers do. So he was in Phoenix and driving back to Fort Worth. And, uh, and just describe what happened in this accident that was, you know, that struck him down. Uh, that's, that's right. That's the, the right point to make. Ten wins the year before, and he'd already won two on the uh, tour in February when he and uh, the wife were going back to uh, break in their new house in, uh, in Fort Worth. And the story's been told. It's pretty familiar, but still horrifying to think about driving on a foggy road creeping along at 15 miles an hour when a Greyhound bus comes out of the fog from the opposite direction, um, impatiently passing another car and going really way too fast for the conditions. And that uh, that bus just caught the, the Hogan's Cadillac uh, head on. At the last moment um, at impact, um, Hogan jumped sideways out of his seat, I mean, to the extent you can do that, to more or less cover up his wife's body. So Ben got all the injuries. Valerie got a, a, a nick and a, and a bruise. But uh, uh, Hogan was severely injured to his, uh, his left side. number of broken bones, including the pelvis, which is a hard bone to break. So he was uh, impacted very severely. I mean, they said, I think he was in the hospital for two months. And there were reports at the time that he, they didn't even think he could walk again. Uh, and just the recovery time, I and mean, certainly don't have the medical procedures they have now, but to think that, uh, and then you, and I think one mention was he was actually blinded in his left eye, which hurt his putting. So he was just all hurt all over. And, and, but to think that uh, he could come back in 11 months to play golf was just, it just, it was insane to think that. A testament to the, the guy's 
self-image. He, uh, no matter what, he had now after he started to accomplish what he always wanted to, which was win golf tournaments. Nothing. He didn't want anything to stand in his way. Not even that life-threatening car crash. So, in one of the few conversations I had with the man, we talked about um, what he what he did next when he he finally got home from the hospital and he couldn't stand it anymore and he put his his feet on the floor and started doing laps around his bed as he called them with one hand on the mattress and he'd just do a few and then a few more each day and he built up from there so his comeback was quite impressive one of the uh, one of the great sports stories and then, I mean, in from 50 to 56, he didn't even compete in most of because back in those days, the PGA Championship and British Open were on the same day. But in the 56-56, he, in the Masters, he, was, he won six majors. He was fourth, first, seventh, first, second, second in the Masters. And in the U.S. Open, he was first, first, third, first, and two more seconds. Uh, just an amazing run. I don't think Tiger ever had a run like that with those two tournaments. And and. I just think that in those six years, for him to win, now he only won 12 wins, but six of them were majors after the accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, highlighted by his year of 1953, in which his body permitted, body and timing permitted him to play only six events, five of which he won, and three of those were majors, including his only uh, British Open. And you, and you think, I mean, Tiger has talked a lot. I mean, he's mentioned about how he said the only two golfers have ever owned their swing, mentioning Ben Hogan and yeah. Jack Nicklaus made that comment. You've got to think, you know, Tiger, who knows everything about golf there has to be, will, will be using Hogan as inspiration to come to, I mean, first of all, learn, you know, walking and everything else. But certainly as someone he's followed, I, I, you've got to hope that someone like Ben Hogan's turnaround and comeback would be a source of inspiration to Tiger. Yeah, Ty, uh, Hogan really was uh, is all has probably always been large in in uh, Tiger's mind. He uh, expressed that pretty uh, explicitly one day a few years ago uh, when he went out to uh, Hogan's club in in Fort Worth, um, and my friend uh, the pro there, uh, Mike Wright, arranged for Tiger to have some of Ben's clubs clubs Ben played with. He also got out his video camera, and, and, and Tiger just had a ball for, for quite a long time hitting these uh, very heavy, flat, odd sticks that, that, that Hogan played with that were virtually guaranteed to prevent a hook. You just couldn't hit a hook with these, uh, these uh, funny clubs Ben, ben Hogan had. But it was a you know, pretty uh, explicit clue that uh, about um, – Tiger's respect for Ben Hogan. Right. And you did mention, I mean, what I was heard you on another interview once you mentioned how before the accident, Hogan was viewed as, as you said, a Greta Garbo type of character, just even as a golfer, people didn't really know. But after the accident, after he started winning, he just became very popular and very, just the, the fans yeah. just, you know, gravitated to him. Yeah, that's true. Ben, you know, pre-accident um, didn't have much time for people. Uh, kids jumping around him for autographs. They might get him, but they, he might also say, go away, Sonny. Um, I, I know that it happened quite a bit. Uh, afterwards, you know, I guess looking death in the face uh, could have could have changed him. That wouldn't be, doesn't seem unfair to 
project that onto him. He became, since he couldn't practice like he had before, he just wasn't physically up to it, he had a little more time at golf tournaments, and he more or less became one of the boys, um, uh, which in those days meant uh, meet me at the bar. <laughs> so, uh, well, I appreciate you, Kirk, coming on and talking about Hogan and Tiger. What, in terms of the books, I mean, what's the best way to get to learn, to follow you? To, to are you working on any new books uh, that we should follow? Because you've certainly, I think, I've read three of your books so far. So, I just, you know, what's the best way for our listeners to actually purchase one of your books, or which books would you say they should start with? Um, I, you know, start, uh, since uh, Tiger's in the news, why not uh, the, the current book uh, called Roaring Back, which is more or less instant nostalgia for Tiger's win at the 2019 Masters, which was, I bet in your lifetime, Ira, and mine, it was about the most popular win um, ever. Uh, maybe Nicholas at the Masters in 86, although you're far too young to recall that. Yeah, um, it's a... I'm, I'm quite proud of the book, um, and, I, and I hope people will like Roaring Back. But the others, um, gosh, they're like children to me, Ira. It's hard for me to <laughs> uh, recommend one over the other. No, I love what I've read. We had you on last year to watch to, about Roaring Back, and I just thought it was great because you really captured uh, the essence of that victory and everything that it meant to golf and for people and, and certainly the crossover effect it had on, on non-golf fans and, and certainly the country and people that wouldn't sit and watch an entire – they wouldn't watch one hole of golf, let alone 18 holes, were just captivated by, to their TV screens and calling everybody to turn it on and watch it. So I think that's what yeah. it had it. Yeah, unless it's Tiger. Tiger's the one guy still who can move the needle, uh, as you say, bring in the the people who really don't give a flip about golf. They they might still care pretty deeply about this charismatic uh, man with the uh, with the fast swing and the big teeth. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for coming on Ira Sports. I really appreciate it. We hope to have you on uh, in the future to talk about some golf, maybe talk about another comeback from Tiger. Uh, it would be great. But uh, thank you so much for coming on Ira Sports. It is my pleasure. Thanks, Ira.